are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Jessica Zhang. Jessica is passionate about blending technology into the classroom learning environment to help challenge her students and prepare them for an increasingly interconnected environment. As a fourth grade teacher in Los Angeles County, she loves the curiosity and courage that her scholars have towards the world around them. Jessica also believes in helping positively impacting her community through coaching the Girls on the Run program. She recently graduated from Cal State Fullerton's Master's in Educational Technology program, and she enjoys hiking, running, traveling, trying new foods, and inviting her students to try new foods as well. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. So you got your master's in ed tech from Cal State Fullerton. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in ed tech? My interest in ed tech started when I was actually doing my undergrad program at Cal Poly Pomona. And we had to, yeah, we had to observe different classrooms for a set amount of hours. And I remember that's kind of where my excitement started. I remember being in a third grade classroom in the back and seeing this teacher use, are you smarter than a third grader on her little TV? And I remember thinking, oh, this is so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's where it started. And was it was it like was, one of those like interactive PowerPoint thingies that yes. she had? Okay, cool. But she had it projected on a TV. She mm-hmm. didn't have a smartboard. She didn't have a projector. Yeah. So I don't remember how she had it, but it just was on one of those TVs mm-hmm. and it was on a rolling cart. Yeah. So she pushed the cart over oh my gosh, and then cool. all the kids kind of made sure they could see. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So um, that kind of started it. <laughs> And then, and, and so when you were, so as part of your undergrad and you were, you were doing these observation hours, did you, did you know then that, that this was exactly what you, what you wanted to do? No, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and I love kids and I love being active and doing experiments and a lot of hands-on learning was, I knew I wanted to do that. When I was teaching, I didn't really know that much about technology. And so seeing that, and then when I student taught, I learned more and I got even more excited. (laughs) So that's when it started to build this like fire of excitement of, oh, wow, there's so many different resources. I had no idea really about until I started getting to use them and and have my mentor teacher show me a couple of different tools. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So then, so then as a, as a teacher, um, like all this, all this tech that's out there, I mean, it's, oh, right. I mean, it, there's, there, there's a ton. Are you, so do you take, do you, do you take time just to go out and try to find what's, what's out there or just on your own and you just start mm-hmm. to learn stuff? It's been a process. So the ed tech program that I went through helped me so much. But before that, I was using the resources that I had learned from my mentor teachers when I was student teaching. So I took those. And then every year after, I would just take something else and I would try and get better at it and then bring it to my classroom. And one of the wonderful things about kids is that anything that you want to try, they will definitely be all for, especially if you're excited about it. So (laughs) I did. I took it upon myself in the beginning, but then with the ed tech program, I got, I was forced to try other technologies oh, and then I learned to really love them and get over the fact that it was a little bit scary at first, but then just really jump in. So. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is you just have to have the, like the desire and just sort of let go of that fear of failing mm-hmm. and just allow yourself to jump in. And like you said, if you're excited about it and you're just mm-hmm. transparent with your kids, they'll They'll be forgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so then, with the so transition to like teaching online now with COVID and yeah. um, all of that, 
Was that transition, did you feel better prepared for that transition, having this background in ed tech, or was that still a little bit of a learning curve and pretty tough on you? I felt really fortunate. I felt, I was excited about it, and I felt... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I felt prepared. I felt more prepared. I feel like the most prepared person on my campus for it. So I felt equipped. I was excited, but then I was also a little bit nervous thinking, okay, how are we going to set up new routines online? But we we worked, we have been working really well as a grade level. And then my, some of my colleagues have been reaching out. And so I've been zooming them and just kind of really enjoying helping them with one thing at a time, not trying to overwhelm them because I know what it's like to be in their shoes. Yeah. And I know that one thing at a time is helpful. And then when you become good at that, then you mm-hmm. can add to that repertoire. But so it's been a journey. We've gotten so much better at it as a grade level. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things we would do differently if we were to start today, restart today. But I felt, yeah, I guiltily, I felt very excited. <laughs> wow. So then, so then thinking back to your, because you you teach fourth grade, right? I do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, bless you. <laughs> fourth grade students. Um, now, thinking back to your fourth grade years, um, what type of tech was, was being used then? And then can you, can you kind of share what, what's been going on now? It's mind-blowing. I think about when I was in fourth grade all the time with my students in the back of my mind. I'm reflecting, and we didn't use computers when I was in fourth grade. My only memory of using a computer was at home. My mom had us do Mavis Beacon. So periodically, I was learning to type at home and then playing, I think, a couple jumpstart games. But there there were no iPads. There were no Chromebooks. We didn't have a computer lab on my campus. So thinking of what these kids, what I'm asking these kids to do now, what I'm showing them how to, how to use Google, how to use Docs and create PowerPoints, I wasn't doing that till middle school. And so what they're able to do now, it's incredible. And then to just project into their future, I, it's amazing what they're going to be able to do, I think. But I wasn't doing anything compared to now. Yeah, and that, and, and that brings up a really good question. So, so what are you projecting um and then what do you think schools should be doing or could be doing in order to promote their um active active learning there's so many i mean what should we be doing i think equipping them but i think also having it be an approach that's age appropriate and developmentally appropriate so that's that's something i think it should be taken into consideration Um, I think that's really important, but projecting what these kids are going to be able to do in the future. I think it's, it's, it's hard to kind of think that far in the future, but I know that, I mean, a lot of them are coding now, so they're highly involved in YouTube and they're, Mm -hmm. they already have YouTube channels and they're 10 years old. And so it's, it's kind of a gray area. I'm excited. And I hope that all the things they're learning, they use them for good, you know, because they can do so much just on the World Wide web and connecting each other that way. I think that's pretty amazing, but what should we be doing? I think we should be supporting them but we should be having an approach to education that's not one-sided. It shouldn't just be technology because mm-hmm. these kids need to be outside. You know what I mean? They need to oh, do yeah. so many other things. But Yeah, and you, you said they're already coding, like they have YouTube channels. They don't think of it as coding. They think of it like, I have this thing that I want to do and I'm going to just do it and I'm going to figure it out. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, 
like just support, just support them. And then later you can be like, fill in the gaps and fill in the holes. Like, Hey, do you realize that you are coding? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's freaking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember in in, in, in fourth grade, all I was thinking about was coming home and playing with Scott Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Coding. Oh, Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Makes you back. (laughs) So maybe you can tell us about one of your units or one of your lessons. um, And it can be probably pre-COVID or, you know, maybe something that you're working with your students on now um, that help foster these creativity skills that you're talking about. Right. One of my favorite units and uh, in just watching the kids learn it as well in small groups. I think it was, it's been one of theirs as well, but just electricity. I think science is something that a lot of kids, I've seen a lot of kids really enjoy, especially the ones who like to be hands-on. They like mm-hmm. to try to build things or those that are a little bit more, they just want to read something and put it together. So putting kind of just a lot of kids in, in general, dependent upon their multiple intelligence, I can see some, they really like science, but yeah. to answer that question, circuits. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen, I have games that they play on the computer. So that's kind of one aspect that some kids enjoy, but most of the kids really enjoy building circuit. Mm -hmm. So my favorite lesson with them was when I just, we learned about what a circuit was, how does it work? We watched the film, I the science guy video, I believe. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then I gave them the supplies to build a circuit. I didn't give them any other directions. And I just kind of wanted to see how this was going to go. This is just an experiment from my perspective and theirs. Because at the time I was learning about, um, you know, students being more involved in their own learning. And so I didn't want to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. So I gave them all the supplies, including a light bulb. And so they had the background knowledge because we talked about it. And then just putting them in groups of three and just seeing the literal light bulbs go off. (laughs) It was so exciting, you guys. (laughs) And and we were getting close to lunch. And so, you know, some some groups already had their light bulbs go off and other groups didn't. And I was just kind of, you know, walk floating around and other kids were trying to help the other groups. It was just really exciting Mm -hmm. but definitely so that's something we haven't gotten to do this year with my fourth graders we didn't get to it so I'm brainstorming how to kind of bring circuits to life virtually but that's just that hands-on learning really really brought the creativity to life yeah science is is great for that I used to teach science middle school science too and they loved it like it was such a blast and um, unfortunately, like in some of the schools that I've been, I've seen that teachers skip it just based mm-hmm. on time. And it's just too bad because you can really just cross-curricular include so many different units into it. Hands-on. Now in an online, you know, platform, the way that we're kind of doing things now, it's, um, you know, trying to ask kids to go and find these things on their own if they have them. But Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, first of all, where does this energy from you come from? <laughs> because you are so excited. And I, and I say that from a, from a former high school teacher perspective. That's, that's what my background is. Okay. Um, and now, you know, and now I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, okay, how can, how can we work with her in order to get stuff in order to send out to all of her kids and blah, blah, blah. So, so, so I could, I could totally tell how your, how your kids are excited about, about all this stuff. Um, <laughs> 
So, so when you're, so what do you, what are you trying to, th- so what's the next process that you're, that you're thinking about in order to maybe teach this in an, in an online format? I, I'm, the supplies, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Lily, about not a lot of kids have everything that would be needed for something like this. And so I haven't gotten to how I'm going to, I'm going to probably put on our Google slide for that day of the supplies that you can use at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can use it. They can use a lemon. I can give them options of how to make a battery, you know, mm-hmm. with a lemon in the wise, but I know they probably don't have all supplies that are needed. So yeah. I'm either going to use Google slides to make a slide presentation where they can hopefully add, um, I'm not quite sure. I'm hoping this is, these are all ideas I haven't mm-hmm. tried out yet, but maybe oh, there's a part where they can, you know, add to the Google slide and see the closed, closed circuit become um, operable. And then maybe there's some way I can make a light bulb go off. I don't know. Yeah. Or they can, they can be a part of that project or I can give them a problem to solve, mm-hmm. you know, at home and kind of incorporate problem-based learning. But I'm not sure. I've got a lot of yeah. ideas. You're in California, so there are lemons literally growing on the trees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I, ask them to ask their neighbors. <laughs> I have a ton of lemons for my, my neighbor's tree. I will pick them and bring them. Okay. But another <laughs> idea is to like ask them to go and like, I guess, you know, find some of the junk around their house. Like if there's a lamp that's broken, you know, like... Obviously, they don't tell them to take apart a lamp, but from like their living room. But you know what I mean. If there's like a broken lamp or something in the garage, you know, like take it apart and repurpose that stuff. So, kind of like I guess embrace the maker space kind of idea is a good a good way to go about it. That's cool. Well, one of the things that that you were talking about too, Jessica, is the girls on the run program. Tell us about that. I love the Girls on the Run program. So it's it's a nonprofit organization, and it was started by a former teacher in North Carolina, actually. And it's all around the United States. I don't know if it's in any other country just yet, but basically it's an after-school running group that there has to be a chapter or a group for you to join. So I started one at my school and I heard about it from a run that I did the year prior. And I, you know, they had a, they had a table. And so they were telling you information about girls on the run. And I started to just ask questions and I really thought, Oh, I have to have this at Fremont. Like we have to have this at our school because running is just a, it's such a fun thing to do and not everybody likes it, but some people do. And there's no running club at elementary school level that doesn't happen until maybe middle or high high school and so anyway I brought it to Fremont and what it is is we have 180 minutes so every Tuesday and Thursday we have 90 minutes where we there's a program that I stick to so and I'm allowed to be free just to have a little creativity within the program but we run of course but we make running fun so we just run for a certain amount of time and we have music playing but the focus is not just being healthy it's about building social emotional skills so we do lessons and they're really fun and they're not just for kids they're for adults too Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the lessons from girls on the run I end up bringing into the classroom like we did one with a tube of toothpaste and you know we talked about what when you speak when words come out of your mouth can you and you say something you regret can you take that back 
And we squeezed out, you know, the tube of toothpaste mm. slowly. And just to symbolize, those are the words that come out of your mouth. Yeah. Is there a way to put those back in? No. Yeah. So wow, that's just awesome. little life lessons, but it's really fun and it gets me and it gets the girls active who maybe are just doing it because um, there's teachers on on staff running it. Maybe they're joining just for that and they get so much out of it. Or maybe they do it because they do like running, but yeah. That's awesome. It's a really good way to blend in things. And like, you're right. That's yeah. good for adults too, because adults a lot of times say things that they shouldn't be saying. And, um, (laughs) not pointing any fingers at anyone, (laughs) but, um, but like, but this is also just really indicative of the way like you as adults, like hang out with each other and you, how your friends and how you talk about things that are like of meaning and depth and all of that too. So it makes it, um, just like a really good way to connect with them on a, Mm -hmm. on a deeper level and get to know them and help them form those connections so that they want to be at school and give them something to look forward to. I love that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So are you involved in any other community projects or your students in any other community projects besides Girls on the Run? Not at the, well, actually we are, we're involved in UNICEF, the Kid Power Up program. So that's the only one that we're doing as collectively as a classroom and as a group right now. And I guess as well as a school, but it's, it's per team. So each teacher who's involved, they're kind of working together with their class, but um, UNICEF Kid Power Up, do you guys know about that? No. I've heard of it, but tell us about it. So as a team or as a classroom, there are a bunch of videos that you can choose to do. So there's guided dance, there's yoga, there's high energy and medium energy videos that UNICEF has put together for anybody, any person of any age can actually go on and do them for free. And what happens is after you complete one of the videos, you earn one point. And after you earn 10 points, then those, all those points um, get converted into coins. And so your team collects coins. But I forgot to mention, every point you earn, so every video you do, you, um, UNICEF will send one package, so a therapeutic food package that's ready to go, filled with you know, protein-rich foods. It'll go to a kid or a family or a village in need across wow. the world. Wow. So it really connects our kids in our classroom to the greater world. And I think it's it's much more impactful now, mm-hmm. you know, that people are going through so many different things that are just, yeah. there's struggles, you know, yeah. but, um, that's just this ongoing thing that we've been doing from the beginning of the school year. And so we, whenever we zoom at the end, we'll have a brain break and we'll, I'll share my screen and we'll do one of the UNICEF kid power-ups together. And then we get our coins and then we vote as a class. How do we want to spend those coins? So you can save them up. You can save 250 coins and that provides one medical visit or one doctor's visit wow. for somebody in need. And so it's just, it's awesome. But that's, that's something that I, I it's just, it's so much fun. And it really teaches the kids about what's going on in the world around you. Yeah. And they have, you know, informative videos where you can show the kids, you know, different villages or different kids their age and what they're going through and um, how they can help. And it's, it's just really, it's really enlightening and empowering for the students. And now they have a little bit more time, you know, like where they're probably feeling a little bored. So they are, do you, are you finding that they're doing a lot more now than maybe they were when you guys were in school? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sending them to do it at home. And not all the kids can access that website. So, But the Mm -hmm. kids who can, they're doing a lot Mm -hmm. of the videos. So it's great. Yeah, they have a lot more time now. Awesome. That's really cool because it because it, it it seems like you're you're very um, active in, mm-hmm. in in a lot of in a lot of different areas, and uh, it seems like health is is one of the things that you're that you're promoting. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that you were you were talking about is um, you like trying new food, and you like having your students try new food. <laughs> is this done in your in your in your classroom? And if and if so, how is how how are you reverting that? now during this COVID time? Yes, that's definitely something that we did in our classroom. I haven't incorporated that into the new home learning. That's, you've sparked something. I'm definitely going to thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's, I haven't thought about that. But yes, so I mean, periodically, my mother-in-law will give us food that's from somewhere I've never even heard of. And so she, the most recent one was passion fruit from Africa. And she gave me like five different ones and they look like potatoes. So they're about this big and they're shriveled up when they're ready to be eaten. And so, I mean, I was like, I can't eat these at home. I have to, I have to share this experience. (laughs) So, I mean, I bring it to the classroom and then. Wow. That's cool. So, so how do the how do the kids feel? Because because food is is one of those things where where kids can be very finicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how how does this come come about? I've always been surprised. Ninety eight percent of my kids always want to try the food that I bring in, and so that always shocks me. I I, I always think there's got to be more picky kids in here, but mm-hmm. okay, all right, that's good. So, <laughs> They'll try it. And I'm surprised at some of the foods that they've already tried. Like some of the kids already knew what this unique passion fruit was and they yeah. said they liked it. So Yeah, because I, you know, I remember doing this doing this lesson and in and I was for freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the shyest girls did did this report on Australia uh-huh. and brought in and she very shy, very quiet, very sweet girl. And she held up this thing of called Vegemite, and I had no idea what, what, what this was. And she's uh-huh. like, um, Mr. Ramirez, would you like to try it? And the, and the whole place went quiet. I'm like, oh, sure, sure, yeah. Worst thing I ever placed yep. out of my mouth. And she was just like, oh, I, I got it. <laughs> Did like, she oh, enjoy okay. it or she was playing a joke on you because she knew it was horrible? Oh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, you know, I... Um, I, I really like that, that you're, that, that you're sharing these new things with, with kids because you're, because you're not only sharing something new like food, but you're sharing culture, yep. um, you know, which is, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you're using Google slides right now. So I'm guessing maybe you're using Google classroom and stuff too. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about like what your day to day looks like with, um, teaching at home learning, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, what we do as a grade level is we send the five days worth of checklist items Mm -hmm. for each subject area. There's something that the kids can engage in online or at home with. So each day they already have that. They get it Sunday night. Mm -hmm. So then Monday they're supposed to go on when they can, if they can, start to, you know, check check off those items. So my day consists of um, just kind of answering questions. I have a communication Google Doc where if somebody is going on and they're stuck on something, they reach out and then I can help answer questions that way. So it looks very different. Mm -hmm. But 
three times a week we do a Zoom. And so that's just I check in with the kids. And I, you know, first we just start off with a check-in. If you want to share how you're doing, share how you're doing. And they can they can either also just show me with their fingers if they're a one out of five they're, mm. or they're a five out of five, like they're doing great. Mm-hmm. But so just to kind of see how they're doing and I make all those optional. Yeah. So, and then we play a game like every Friday we'll do bingo or yeah. we'll do, we'll kind of mix it up a little bit. But, mm-hmm. and we do the UNICEF kid power ups and I help them and we do review for the lessons that they're kind of going through. Like in math, they're doing the online program. And we also record ourselves um, helping them through the lesson. So they watch our video mm-hmm. and then they go through the checklist, checklist items for math or something like that. So we have support embedded into each yeah. of like the day's activities. But mm-hmm. so my day kind of just consists of, yeah, helping students and then also planning with my team for the next week and just yeah. It, every day is different. <laughs> it's an adventure. I tell my parents, this is an adventure. Thank you for adventuring with me. <laughs> we will get through this. Yeah. You know? Are you having are you finding that some students just don't have access? Are you having trouble reaching certain students? Some students, yeah. And then there's some kids who have, you know, three or four kids in the family. Mm-hmm. And that's just hard. They're sharing one device. Yeah. But our district was phenomenal in the fact that we had Chromebooks at our school site and they have this checkout process. Mm -hmm. So every family who needed one was able to get one as far as I'm concerned. um, So all my students have a Chromebook, but access is sometimes difficult with internet and issues and sharing. So it's not a perfect world. We know that. Yeah. No, how, tell us how, how parents are working with you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what, what are, what are some of the questions that the, that the parents have? Yeah, some of the the first two weeks were so busy with questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was from, you know, and that's when Screencastify became my best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we our district gave us a code so we could have unlimited edits and unlimited minutes. I think it's unlimited minutes for Screencastify. So questions parents are asking, like, how can I my student can't log in, you know, this way. And I'm thinking to myself, just read the directions. Just read the directions. <laughs> but it's okay. We tried to make it clear with like step one, step two, step three, but it's yeah. okay. So then I'll make a screencastify. I'll log in as their kid. I'll make it or as their student. I'll I'll make a screencastify of okay, this is what you do, this is what it looks like, and then I'll send it to them. And then they say thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. And see, and I, I think that's 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 really good to note for for a lot of teachers out there that you know there's 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 people that need need to see something that's step by step by step mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's written down. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. You know. Thank you for thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's been helpful for because I'll get because I'll get you know the same question later down the line, and so I can just send the screencastify yeah. so it helps I feel helpful because mm-hmm. you know you can you can be in your room and you're like I, w- I wish I could I wish I could see your screen I wish I could talk you through this mm-hmm. and so the screencastify is the closest way I've discovered about it how to help these parents are you and I also tell them oh sorry oh no go ahead yeah. oh I just also tell them please don't worry yeah if, don't worry right now. Just try and move on. Try something else or come back to it. I'm sorry. You know, the internet's yeah. not working. Don't worry about it. Are you putting together like FAQs on like a website or something like that with just all of your videos archived or is that like future plans potentially? Uh-huh. You guys are giving me some wonderful ideas. <laughs> we like to think of 
these as brainstorm sessions? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I have it for my parents. So I have, we use Constella. So I just have one file folder that has all of the screencastifies. So they can go in at another time if they forget or something. So that's all I have right now for them. That's good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, because there's, you know, at least some of the things that I've been hearing from, from colleagues of mine who are, who are teaching, what they're saying is that working with their, you know, working with the kids is, is tough, but they're, but they're getting through it. But what's, but what's difficult isn't, you know, isn't the parents, you know, parents aren't difficult. It's trying to bring them up to speed what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what they're finding is that, um, is that there's like a stronger bond that's, that's being created between the teacher and the, um, and, and the parents. Are you finding that to be true? Oh, I guess here and there. I mean, the parents that have reached out and they need a lot more help. They, I haven't maybe, I hadn't maybe had too many conversations with them in the past. And so there are a handful where actually you're right. We have kind of created this a little bit more of a deeper bond just by, you know, them reaching out whatever hour it is and me helping however I can. And, you know, I get the thank you emails, which is so appreciated, but it's, yeah, I I think so. I think we have kind of created a, it's a different bond, but, you know, thankfully up until this point, you know, I got to meet all of my parents, all the parents Mm -hmm. from my classroom and I got to, you know, know, get to know them and we had conferences and things like that. So I'm not a stranger to them, (laughs) (laughs) which is good. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's what's, that's what's perfect. Mm-hmm. That brings up a good point. Yeah, we are, we're creating, or we're, we're building upon our relationships in a different okay. way. And I'm so proud of my students because yes, they're nine or 10, but they're going on a lot of the times and they're just taking care of their business for the day's checklist items. And a lot of them, you know, the parents have told me, thank you. They can do a lot of this by themselves. Yeah. And so there's that independence built into it too. And now they've gotten a little bit more used to like the routine of it. And so they Mm -hmm. kind of figured it out. So it's probably much calmer than it was when it first started. Yes. So, so Jessica, this is, this is the question that everyone is asking (laughs) pre from, you know, pre-K all the way up to graduate. Mm -hmm. How do you think schools, schools are going to change after this or, so, so that's one question. And okay. the second question is, how would you wish schools to change? Ooh, how do I think they're going to change and how do I wish they would change? Uh, well, okay. How would I wish they would change is to just have smaller class sizes. That's a dream. Mm-hmm. <gasps> we can dream, can't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Because that would work, right? Yeah. That would fit this, you know, the six-foot social distancing. We can make that work, but it breaks my heart too to kind of start to think about that at times because I know collaboration is so important and I want kids to be able to be themselves and to Mm -hmm. not have to be worried about sticking an arm's distance between each other. So those are some of my thoughts I have and I don't have the answers to, you know, these problems that we're going to have to, we have to problem solve through. But um, I think having a class, a smaller class size is definitely a dream and that's how I would like it to go. I don't know the reality of what's actually going to happen, but I I think I've heard different ways of approaching this of having an AM session or a PM session where you have your class split in two. And so they only mm-hmm. you meet with them for you know half of the school day. So maybe that's an approach, but we also have to think long term. Yeah. Can't just has there has to be something that we put in place that 
you know, we're educating students about how to stay clean and how to, you know, protect themselves, but we have to think long-term. So I think there's a lot of questions unanswered, but I think there's a, I think that those questions you asked have caused a lot of great discussion that are going to hopefully, you know, have, we'll have some answers for at least some good ideas to try out because it's okay if we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that some of the teachers who maybe were reluctant to integrate technology previously will feel like more empowered to do so now and will do that mm-hmm. more in the future? Yeah. I hope they will. Mm-hmm. I know that for some of the, my colleagues that I have that, who they, they're like, I, I came across and I asked you to help me how to turn my TV on, Ms. Morgan. And, and I helped, you know, one of my colleagues do that. She's been reaching out and I've helped her through, you know, just some baby steps and she feels more confident. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hope that that carries over into when we start school again in the fall. But yeah, I hope so. And I think it will. I'm pretty sure it will because yeah. we've had an extended period of time where we've been teaching virtually. And it also just kind of makes everyone realize just the capabilities beyond the four walls that we all have. So like a student who gets sick or who, you know, has to relocate or for whatever reason can't be in school for an extended period of time, like we have means of meeting their needs now Uh and we've proven it. So it's not easy. (laughs) Certainly easier (laughs) if we had more time to plan and prepare for it. But it can be done. Absolutely, yeah. that's a great point. Um, one of the things that we that we like to end off with is, <laughs> what is your one call to action as a teacher? Mm-hmm. I'd have to say, my one call to action would be to build community. So I think that's I think that's extremely important with a new group of students, with an old group of students, with an actual, you know, family community. It's like, it just, it trickles out into everything that we have in this world. And so I think building community is essential. That's my call to action that we realize how important that is to get to know each other and relate, and then we can educate, you know? And so I think building community, that's my call to action. Awesome. Awesome. You're, you're talking my language. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you shared with us your Twitter and your Instagram um, handles. Um, Happy Dance Jay Z is yes. your Twitter. <laughs> and your Instagram is Jessica underscore Happy Dance. Uh-huh. What's yeah. the meaning of the Happy Dance? Do you have a story <laughs> for that? I just like to, you know, everybody kind of has a happy dance. When something good happens, you just dance. I mean, not everybody, but. I mean, I, I totally get that from you. So it's not a surprise at all. Um, but Jessica, thanks for being our guest today. I love your energy, your enthusiasm, your students, I'm sure miss you. And um, yeah. I'm just really thankful that we have teachers like you out there helping our kids. So thank you. Exactly, Jessica. You, this has been amazing. You've been awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank this was really fun. <laughs>